Good morning. It's a nice sunny morning outside. It's, the winds have calmed down. Good morning. This is Pastor Nelson from Tower View Baptist Church for our Sunday school lesson this morning. We'll be in Romans chapter 5. Um, for those of you who don't know, we're from like the Tower View Baptist Church from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, if you want to know more about us, you can check our website out at uh, towerviewkc.com to see the other videos that we have. It's the uh, live, uh, towerviewkc.com slash live, or look for the live link on our page. Um, also, check us out on Tower View Baptist Church. If you're watching this live, you found us there. And also, you can contact us through our phone number, 816-368-1330. And then you can call our text out line. It's an internet line. So I appreciate you all being on this morning. Um, and uh, all, we're going to be going through the book of Rome. We're continuing our study in the book of Romans today. We're, today we're in Romans chapter 5. But before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, I just thank you for this chance to uh, study your word this morning for a few minutes. Lord, I just pray that you be with me as I, as I lead. Lord, I'm not always smooth and eloquent. I stutter and I stammer around, Lord, but I pray that your word will be revealed, Lord, that as we study your word, it, that will be the highlight, not me, but you. And Lord, as people uh, log on to watch this live, or if they watch this later recorded, Lord, I pray that your word will not go out void, that your Holy Spirit will be working on the hearts and minds and souls of people as they listen. You are the mighty God, Lord. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I touched my nose. You're not supposed to do that, but every time somebody says that, then my nose itches. It's just a really, it does, yes. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 5 this morning, and... We're going to read verses 1 through 11, and so I'm going to begin by reading all 11 verses this morning. So what I want you to do as we read the 11 verses is you follow along in your Bibles, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I'm reading out from the um, Christian Standard Bible. As you read this, as we read this, find the words that are repeated. Because those, when Paul repeats words in short places, that's where he's trying to emphasize. Those are the points of emphasis he's trying to make. So verses, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him, through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our affliction. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were all we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, that how much more having been reconciled, 
will we be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received this reconciliation. Paul's, um, when Paul writes, he, he writes in run-on sentences. He has a lot of thought, and he has a lot of things, and he uses a lot of prepositional phrases. So it takes, sometimes you have to stop and slow down to read his. But we notice as we go through here, he has, you know, well, as we go through here, the repeated words and phrases, but I just a brief reading, you see rejoice in here multiple times. You see hope in here multiple times. Reconciliation, wrath are all words that are used multiple times in here. But this section begins with the word therefore. And, and, and the thing that you always need to ask when you see the word therefore is why is it, you know, what it is it there for? And we see that in here it says therefore since since therefore since two summary words we have been declared righteous by faith so he's he, he's stating the point home so if you've read chapters chapters one two three and four paul built up to that in chapter four that we are saved by faith it's not by our works it is saved by faith and in chapter four he uses the example of Abraham in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. In, if you want to know about Abraham, read Genesis chapters 11 through 25. And in, you read through the book of Genesis, and you see how Abraham worked, was saved by faith, and that everything he did was by faith. God told him things, and Abraham believed it by faith, and he did things by faith. And in Genesis 15, 6, it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that's for us. We believe God and it's credited us by, as righteousness. That is by faith. And so he's summarizing chapters 1 through 4 up to this point. It says, since then, since we have been declared righteous by faith, what's the result of that? What's next? The next thing it says, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. Peace is another one of those words that are used more than once. But what is peace? Well, when it's used in the political world, in the news, peace is the absence of war. There's peace at home, nobody's fighting. Well, it's because everybody's in timeout and they're all sitting in their own corner on their, on their iPads or reading a book or something. But it's not because everybody is getting along. It's because nobody's talking to each other. That's a form of peace. But that's not true peace. But peace with God. Peace is also, we think of a peaceful situation. It's tranquility. It's being calm. It's um, not worrying about all the other things. It's it's you're at peace you're not fighting with somebody even quietly i mean you you've been in you've been in a room where you you and your husband and wife or whatever and you're mad at each other you're not arguing and screaming you're both giving each other the silent treatment and stand out of each other's way that's not that's not peace even though it's all quiet so peace is beyond that 
It's inner. It's outer. It's peace with God. But why do we have peace with God? Because it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus. That's where we get peace. We don't get peace from our own initiative. It's not our own peace treaty that we make with God. It's through Jesus. The only way we have peace. Verse 2. We have obtained access through him by faith. There's that by faith again. Into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's the first use of the word hope also. So we have obtained that peace through him who's him. Through Jesus. Through God. By faith that we have received this grace. God, we get the grace. And we rejoice. Interesting thing about the word rejoice here. Last week we talked about boasting. Here it says rejoice. In Greek it's the same word. To rejoice and to boast in Greek is the same word. In English those are two different things. We think boasting, we think more of a personal prideful thing. And we think rejoicing is a godly thing. In the Greek, it's kind of all conglomerated together. It's more of a mishmash. It's not so uh, clean and separated. So you rejoice, you boast in the hope of the glory of God. We're going to get into hope more because we see that hope is used more often here. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. I'm going to stop right there. You what? You rejoice in your afflictions. You don't bemoan your afflictions, because that's my default, is I bemoan my afflictions. Oh, woe is me. This has gone wrong, and this has gone wrong, and this has gone wrong. And that's, that's just my default. I have to struggle and say, no, I want to rejoice in my afflictions. Some days I just don't like the way my brain works. I forget things. I, I, I mess things up. And I have said in the past, I said, God, I hate my brain. And Sonia reminds me, and she goes, the brain that God gave you? Yeah, that one. Um, and so I need to rejoice in what God has given me. And so we need to rejoice in our afflictions, which seems like a really odd thing to do, because in the world, that's not what we do. That's what Facebook is for, is to complain about our afflictions, right? To, to, to talk about how awful life is and how awful everybody is. Um, whether we say it blatantly or we kind of do it passive-aggressively and don't mention names. Um, but to rejoice in our afflictions. But why should we rejoice? To rejoice, to boast in our afflictions. There's that word again, rejoice, boast. And it continues on, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. How of us look at it that way? That through affliction, we, 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 we get endurance. If you've ever been on a sports team, you've had coaches say things like, no pain, no gain. You know, and, and you practice way more than you ever play the game. In football, you practice all week long and you play one game a week. Uh, basketball, you still practice all week long, but you may get to play two games or three games a week. Uh, 
I was on the wrestling team. You practice and practice, and then you have a six-minute match, and that's it. Um, if it's a tournament day, maybe you get to wrestle more than one time if you win enough. But affliction produces endurance. And what does that endurance produce? Proven character. I mean, think about who do you trust? You, who do you trust? People you've, you've endured things with. Why do soldiers, people who have been in battle, people who have been in the military, why are they sometimes lifelong uh, buddies with people they only served a couple of years with? Because they endured so much infliction that's so intense over a short period of time that they bonded over it. And so, you produce and proven character produces hope. But endurance, character. There's a, there's a saying out there that says, good sailors are not made on calm seas. To be a good sailor, people who deal with, with affliction and deal with uh, the bad things that happen in life, well, there's some, usually somebody that's dealt with all those things before. You see, you know, when you're dealing with your teenagers and the, the first time there's that big breakup with somebody that, you know, they thought they were in love with. And, and we as old people, we're like, just like kind of numb to it. Why? Because we've been through multiple breakups, maybe. And we know it's life goes on. But for that young person, they've never experienced that before. And, and so they, they, they feel it much more intensely. And so all those things, so that's why we rejoice in our infliction, because it produces endurance. And the Bible talks about endurance and perseverance over and over again. Many different places that we endure to the end. Proven character that produces hope. There's the second time we've used the word hope. And hope, we've messed up the word of hope in America the past couple decades. We, we make it a hope so. We make it wishful thinking. Well, I hope it doesn't rain today. Or maybe you're the parent of the little, and you're like, I don't really want to go to that Little League game. I hope it does rain so we don't get canceled, so we don't have to go play. We, we, we make it a hope so. Well, I hope my team wins today. And it's like a hope so. It's like, this isn't the kind of hope. When Scripture talks about hope, they're never talking about wishful thinking hope. It's talking about a steadfast assurance that you know what's going to happen. That no matter what, you, you know the outcome. You know the ending. Right now, because there's no live sports, you can if you go to the sports channels, they're, they're showing a lot of games, classic games, games that were played years ago. And you watch those games, you don't have to hope that your team wins because you know that your team wins. You know which team is going to win. You already know the outcome because it's in the past. The only difference for us is we can't we you know we haven't lived the future yet. We haven't seen heaven yet. We haven't seen all that's going to happen. So we don't we haven't experienced it yet. But we can still have the same hope. That no matter what happens in this life, that no matter how much affliction we have, that we have a hope in Christ. You, I got some old hymnals here. 
and in the older hymnals, there's a way more songs about heaven. When life was much harder, I have a hymnal that was uh, published in 1939. So it's coming out of the Great Depression. And there is a lot of songs in there about heaven. Because they, the people then faced a lot of affliction. And so their hope was not in the things of this world because the things of this world was very disappointing. So the only hope that they had was heaven. And so they wrote songs, they sang songs, they celebrated the songs that were about heaven. What does the future hold for us? I don't know. Will there be many people that we know and love that die from this virus? I don't know. What will happen to the economy through this? I don't know. We don't know the future. Will there be great affliction in the future? We know people have lived through affliction in the past. People have lived through the Great Depression. People have lived through the horrors of World War II. Think about the people in those countries that in Europe that survived two world wars in, in, a, in a 40, 50 year time frame. That their country was ravaged. People have plagues much worse than COVID in, in, in the history of this world. Can you endure to the end? We in America, we tend to be a bit spoiled with what we have. But rejoice in your affliction whether they're man-made, whether they're natural disasters, whether they're of your own making. I don't rejoice in those so much, but realize that God, even through our own, our own failings, our own errors, that we can still learn, that we can still learn through affliction, that we can still get endurance and character, and we can still go to that hope that's like, God, I know there's a future where I won't be sinning, I won't be messing up, I won't be screwing things up anymore. And you still can have that hope, that steadfast assurance. And he takes that steadfast assurance, this hope, in verse 5. This hope, there's a third time we've used that word now, will not disappoint us. That steadfast assurance will not disappoint you. Because God's love has poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. And now here we see in these verses the Trinity, all the parts of God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and now the Holy Spirit is, is here. So we see the Trinity, we see the Godhead here in these verses. But God's love has been poured out in our hearts. You don't have to find the love. God pours it into you. Is your cup overflowing, as it says in Psalm 23? This hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out. You didn't pour it. God poured it. Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Given. There's another. It was given. You didn't earn a ticket. You didn't buy a ticket. It was given to you. So my question to you, when, when we're done with this lesson today, I want you in the comments. Has there? How has God, through affliction, given you hope in the future? Share, share with us, share with the others in, in the comments, how has God, through affliction, given you hope for the future? How has he given you endurance and perseverance? So don't do it now, because if you do it now, you, you're not listening. So I want you to keep listening.
But if you're watching this and it's recorded, you can pause while you type. But continue on in verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we just said we should rejoice in our afflictions. And in here, for while we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. And then down in verse 8, while we were still sinners, doesn't paint a good picture for us. We're helpless, we're ungodly, and we're sinners. We didn't do anything. But what happens while we are helpless, while we are ungodly, while we were sinners? What did God do? He sent Jesus Christ and Jesus died for us. Not after we became a good person, in verse 7. Not after we became a just person. I mean, it, you know, that, you know. Would you die for anybody? Well, most parents would die for their kids. They would maybe die for their spouse because that's somebody close and dear to them that they love. Um, sometimes we die for a powerful person. If you're the Secret Service and your, 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 your duty is to guard the president, one of your duties is to die for the president. You are to stand. If there's a gunman, if there's an attacker, your duty is to get in front of the president and take the bullet, take the knife, whatever the weapon is, and take the brunt of it so the president doesn't die. We haven't really seen that in recent times, but back in the 80s, Ronald Reagan was shot, and we saw the Secret Service do that. We saw them get in front of the president and take bullets for Reagan. And it doesn't matter who the president is. It's the same Secret Service for Trump as it is for Obama, as it was for Bush, as it was for Clinton. The same secret service. And so they, it doesn't matter what political party, what their political aspirate um, goals are, their job is to die for the president. Also, you know, in, in America, we talk about there's, you know, as a Christian, there's two people who have died for you. One is the American serviceman, the airman, the sailor, the soldier, the Marine that has died for you for our freedom that we can worship freely, that we can get on, we can meet together when it's healthy and it's safe, that we can broadcast this and talk about the Word of God without worrying about um, somebody breaking down my door and, and, and uh, turning off my Internet. There are countries in this world where if I tried to do this, I would be arrested. But we can do that here in America. But no, this is... Would you die for a homeless guy on the streets? Would you die for a total stranger at the store? Generally, no. We generally won't do that. Uh, some people's roles in life are to do that. When something bad happens, which way do the police run? They run towards it. Everybody else is running away from it. The firemen, where do they run? They run towards the fire, not out away from the fire. But God, what does he do? While we were helpless, while we were ungodly, while we didn't deserve it, Christ died for us. 
this proves his this proves God's love. It demonstrates God's love. It shows God's love for us that He did this before we deserved it. He did this so that we could be saved, so we could be reconciled. And then we get to the last three verses, verses 9, 10, and 11. Let me read those together. How much more, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his faith? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him who we have now received this reconciliation. <coughs> Excuse me. How much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his, we have been declared righteous. We have not earned our righteousness. We've been declared righteous. And it goes back to Chapter 4, we, how are we declared righteous? By faith. We have been declared righteous by faith, but also by His blood, by Jesus' blood. Will we be saved through Him? That's, that's future. We'll be saved through Him from wrath. So let's talk about a future salvation. I thought I've already been saved. I've already accepted Christ. I've already been baptized. But there's still a sense that it's in the future too. Because our salvation is not complete while it's on earth. There's a future tense to it. There's a future part to it. That our salvation is not complete until we're in heaven. But we're saved through him from wrath. And those of you at Tower View, you know that we've been preaching... Uh, Darren has been preaching through the book of Ezekiel the past few weeks. And in the book of Ezekiel, we see the wrath of God for present. It is not a pretty picture. That Jerusalem is being destroyed. People are dying from disease. People are dying from starvation. Uh, people are dying from uh, war. So we see the wrath of God. You go through the Old Testament, you see the wrath of God a lot. You see it at, the, at Jericho. You saw it at Sodom and Gomorrah. You saw it in Egypt with the ten plagues against the Egyptians. That's an example of a limited example of the wrath of God. The final wrath of God is, is hell itself. And we are saved from that. From that wrath because of Jesus' blood. So Paul didn't break all that wrath out here at this point, but that's what it is. When you think of the wrath, the wrath of God, ultimately the wrath of God is hell, the punishment of hell. In verse 10, for, for if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his blood? Paul is making arguments here in verse 9 and verse 10. He goes up from the greater to the lesser. In verse 9, the greater is that we be declared righteous. 
and the lesser is from God's wrath. Here, we've been, we were enemies and we've been reconciled to God. And because we were reconciled, the lesser is because we've been reconciled with God, he is saved, we will be saved while, while we were on earth. And so, Grizzly said that we were, we were helpless, we were ungodly, we were sinners, and now here it says we were enemies of God. Enemies. How often in life do we go from enemies to best friends with a person? Usually it happens the other way around. You have a best friend and then they do something, they become your enemy. You're married to somebody, a spouse, and you think it's your best friend and life takes a turn and they become your ex and you get a divorce and now you're enemies for the rest of your life. Rarely do you go from enemy to, to best friend. I was thinking, I was like, does it happen in the world? Actually, it does, ha it, it does happen sometimes. In America, our first two wars in America, who were they fought against? The British. Who was one of our greatest allies in the world today? The British. Who are some of our other best allies in the world today? Germany. Japan. We fought wars against those countries. Germany twice. But yet they're enemies. They're now our friends. But that took world politics. That took wars. We were enemies with God. And God, we didn't make peace with God. God made peace with us. It was unilateral. We were reconciled to God. How? Through the death of his son. And because we have how we have we're have then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? So we were reconciled through the death of his son, but we were also saved by his life because he's been resurrected. So not only are we saved by his death, we are also saved by his life. So Jesus' death and his resurrection both work to save us. Both work to give us eternal life. Both work to give us that steadfast assurance, that hope that all in the end, God's justice will, be, will, will uh, take place. And this section, not this, but this section that we're studying today ends with verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. So now we can rejoice. We can boast through Jesus and through whom we have now received that reconciliation. They use through twice. Through Jesus and because of Jesus, through whom, and that's Jesus again, that whom is Jesus, we have now received this reconciliation. I noticed one thing as I was reading through this, these last three verses, um, is that we the, the, the verb tenses. In verse 9, it says that we will be saved. That's future tense. In verse 10, it says, having been reconciled. That's past tense. And then verse 11 that we rejoice, that we have now received this reconciliation. That's present tense. 
So our salvation, our reconciliation is not a one-time thing. It was started by God in the past. It continues on now presently through our present life, and it continues on now into the future. That's a steadfast assurance when you understand that, that God will not lose you, cannot lose you, that your salvation is secured, that there is nothing you can do to lose your salvation, and that God has been planning this. He is your life. There's nothing in your life that surprises God. COVID did not take God by surprise. God already knows what's going to happen to the economy, but he hasn't told us. But we trust God day by day that no matter what, no matter if the economy recovers, no matter if it crashes, that you are a child of God and you have a steadfast assurance, a hope in the future, that your salvation is eternal. That salvation is secure. And that one of the verses in, in the book of Romans that leads to that, you can use to show people God's salvation, that God proves his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So verse 8, 5, 8, is a verse to mark us down on the Romans road, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we can rejoice that because we are rescued by his faith, that, we, that we've been declared righteous by his faith in verse 1. That we have obtained access to him by, our, by faith. That we can rejoice. We can rejoice in afflictions. We can rejoice in, our rec, in the reconciliation. We can rejoice in our hope of the future. We can rejoice. We can boast in that. Earthly futures. I mean, you're, think about your own life. How the ups and downs you've had in your own life. How God has kept you steadfast through the ups and downs of the, of the things that have happened to you in your life. Rejoicing in birth. Crying in death. Rejoicing in job. Crying for the lack of a job. All the things that happen. Rejoicing when you're healed. Crying at the diagnosis of, of whatever is, uh, ails you. But no matter what, no matter how awful our world is, no matter how life is, no matter how afflicted your life is, you can have the worst life. Every painful disease that is out there, every bad thing that can happen, it happened to you, and you and, and you endure it, and painful, painful afflictions that you have, and you live to be a hundred. What an awful life. A miserable life, yet you live to be a hundred. But what is that? compared to eternity in heaven. As the song says, you know, when we've been there 10,000 years, what's 10,000 years compared to 100 on earth? Do you remember all the temper tantrums you threw when you yourself was a toddler, when you were a terrible too? No, you don't. Your, your parents might be able to tell you about some of them, but you probably don't even remember any of them. But yet life got better. Life improved. You learned more. God gave you wisdom. And so, but through Jesus, through Jesus, through God, 
through the Holy Spirit, we have hope. We have hope in whatever afflictions that have that pen us. We have a hope. We can rejoice in that hope. We can boast in that hope. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's our hope that we have. So, one, I gave you a homework assignment. So after we're done, how has God shown you his grace, his mercy, shown himself, given you hope through affliction that it's had in your life? So I want to, I want to see those comments in, in, the, uh, in the comment section of the video when we're done with this video. Or maybe a different one you might be, how has God taken a person that was an enemy in your life and made them a soulmate? made them a friend, a friend in Christ. Um, the way Jesus, we have been reconciled with God, that we were enemies with God. Because of God's reconciliation, we are now adopted as sons and daughters of Christ, of God the Father. And that's, we, we, we find that later in the book of Romans, where he talks about our adoption. So Paul uses lots of word pictures to describe our reconciliation, to describe our faith in God. And he just didn't hear. He talks about we're enemies like and, and, and wrath. Now those are terms from war. Uh, he talks about the afflictions of life. In so many different ways that he has he has taught us. So take these words, read them again and again. And I'm gonna I'm gonna end him. So I'm gonna read these verses again. And then I'm going to close in prayer. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know that our afflictions produce endurance. And endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a person. Though for a good person, perhaps, someone might even dare to die. But God proves that his own, his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, have, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received this reconciliation. Lord God, help us to rejoice. Help us to rejoice in your salvation. And the Lord Jesus, and in God the Father, sending Jesus down to earth to be our sacrifice for our sins. Help us to rejoice in Jesus, that he lived a sinless life, and he died a death he did not deserve to reconcile us with God so that we would be saved from the wrath of God. Help us to rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us life eternal. Help us to rejoice in the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and gives us an eternal hope, a steadfast assurance in the future. 
that no matter what afflictions that we have, we can turn to you. And help us to rejoice in our afflictions. Because it forces our afflictions force us to turn to you. Because we can't do it ourselves. We can't do it in our own strength. That we need your strength to give us for, for the long haul. For the eternity. For the for the, the length of time that we live here on this earth. So help us to rejoice in that. Help us to rejoice that while we were still sinners, that you died for us. And that you planned this in the past. You've reconciled us today. And that we will continue to be saved into the future. You are the mighty God, Lord. And we just thank you and praise you for all that you do. We just pray all this in Jesus Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Once again, if you came in in the middle, I am Pastor Nelson Nisley from Tower View Baptist Church. I'm one of the associate pastors there. Uh, you've been listening to our Sunday school lesson. If you want to find out more about us, uh, see our website, uh, towerviewkc.com. If you want to see other videos that we have uh, from last week, from devotions that we do during the week, Go to towerviewkc.com slash live. And you see some of the other videos. Um, other videos today, uh, Pastor Craig has posted some music videos for hymns that we can, or songs that we can sing at 1030. Um, Pastor Darren's uh, sermon will be posted. That was recorded earlier. And so you can watch all those. You can also watch them on our Facebook page, Tower View Baptist Church. And if you have any questions, prayer requests, needs that you have, if you live in Kansas City, Missouri, and you're in the Grace Moore, Maple Park, Clay Como area of town, uh, give us a call at 816-368-1330. You can call, you can text that number. It's, a, it's an internet number. Somebody is, uh, always has that. Um, they may be sleeping if you call at 3 in the morning, but uh, they'll get back to you as soon as they can. But thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, post in the comments uh, questions that you have that I can answer um, after I'm offline here that you have. We, we can continue the, the, the study in, in the comments. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, have a great day. God bless.